Thank you so much. Welcome to Centennial Church. My name is Ross. We are so glad that you're here. Anybody enjoy your Saturday, the beautiful, wasn't that gorgeous? Man, loved it. Uh, if you're a guest, if you're new around here, this is uh, kind of an untypical Sunday for us, but I think it's a good Sunday for you to be here because uh, this is the time of the year, uh, every year that we kind of roll out where we see uh, the Lord leading us in the coming months in 2017. So we're glad you're here. We're going to lay that out for you um, uh, today clearly. And we also have a Q&A afterwards, so I encourage you to stay uh, for the Q&A and get your questions answered uh, as well. There was a uh, very successful, uh, accomplished man, and as he aged and uh, got to toward the end of his life, he had been a business owner. He had made millions of dollars. He was successful in the world's eyes. Uh, he had multiple homes. He had nice cars. Uh, but in his rise to success, his success had, had, had cost him. It had cost him in his marriage, and his relationship with his wife. It had cost him uh, with his family, with his kids. He had been absent a lot. But he got to the end of his life as this kind of worldly successful uh, man. And he had this to say at the end of his life. He said, I have climbed the ladder of success. But as I've gotten to the top, I realized that my ladder was leaning against the wrong building. I've climbed my way to the top, and, and from where I stand, from where I stand now, as I look down upon uh, the life and the years that have gone ahead of me, I look at it all, and it's like, I have been about the wrong things. I've been about the wrong things. I've climbed the ladder of success, but my ladder is leaning against the wrong building. William Carey said it like this. William Carey said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at the wrong things. William Carey went on to be uh, quite influential in the modern missions movement and had an incredible spiritual impact in his lifetime and then beyond his lifetime. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, it's possible to gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's possible to gain the whole world and lose your soul. And all three of these men are basically saying the same thing. You can achieve and you can be successful and you, you can be an accomplished person and yet succeed at the wrong things. This morning, what we're talking about is not just really our church vision, but it's, it's also about our lives, what our lives are focused on, what, what our goals are, what ladder we are, in fact, climbing because none of us want to climb that ladder. None of us want to get to the end of our lives and say, so much of my life was wasted. So much of my life was centered upon the wrong things. And as I look out uh, among us, I'm looking at a pretty put-together, uh, good-looking, accomplished Worldly successful people, people that uh, have accomplished things, people that have made money, and as uh, we in the area that we live in, uh, have things, have opportunities. But what do our lives really count for? What is our mission in life? What is our life centered on? And are we centered on the right things? That's what we're trying to look at as a church, but also in our own personal lives. And last week, we took some time to look at our mission as a church. 
And we have a mission statement uh, as a church that we developed a, a year ago, in fact, and that mission statement says this, we exist to center lives on Jesus Christ. We exist to center lives on Jesus Christ, and there's four primary strategies that we think that happens through genuine community and authentic worship and biblical teaching and holistic mission. That's our mission statement as a church. And one of the main passages that we've been going back to every week over the last five weeks as we started 2017, one of the main passages we've looked at is what's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said this, some of his last words, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What Jesus left his, his first followers with and what he's left us with is a great commission. And it, it, it's, it's not a small commission, it's a great commission. It's been said that it really is the great omission of the church. But it's the great commission, and it's actually the everyday commission. It's what our lives are supposed to be about every day. That is making disciples or making followers of Jesus Christ. That's what our lives are to count for. That's the mission that God has given us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those within our influence and help that mission be accomplished even to all the nations. As a church and as, you, as your leadership, we've developed a, a theme in 2017 also, and that theme is the Word of God. That theme is read the Word and share the Word. We want to be a church. We want to be a people centered upon the Word of God. We, this, this is our diet this is our bread and butter. This is our food. And last week, we, I took you to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Some of you, I hope, remember this. But Romans 10, 17 says this. As I flip there, this should be on the screen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we said last week, how, how, do, you, how, how do you become a person of faith? How do you grow your faith? Well, there's a lot of ways to answer that question. But at least right here, the way the Apostle Paul answers this question uh, in verse 17, as he says, faith is grown, faith is initiated, and faith is grown through the word. And that word, that message is the word of Christ. How do you come to faith? How do you become a Christian? Through the word of Christ. How do you grow as a Christian? Through the word of Christ. So we want our, our hearts, we want our minds to be soaked up in God's word. In a world, in a culture full of Messages full of information, full of noise. We want to be people uh, of this message, of this word. So that's our theme uh, for this year. Read the word and share the word. And we've given you two practical ways to do that. Two things that we've encouraged you to take part of. One of them is our CC Bible reading plan. And that's on our CC app. We have a mobile app here. And if you just go to the Bible on that CC app, you can follow along. And many of us are reading those daily Bible readings together on the same track. Now, some of you have asked me, well, what if I already have a Bible reading plan? I mean, does that count, Pastor? Yes, that counts. It's, the point is not what Bible reading plan you do, but the fact that you're in the Word. Okay, so if you have another Bible plan that you like, that's great, okay? This, this is not a homework assignment, but it, it, it's an emphasis to be people of the book. So we've given you a Bible reading plan, and we've also been emphasizing over the last five weeks that we not only want to read the Word, we want to share the Word. And our simple strategy in 2017 to do that is this, this three-pronged approach, prayer, care, and share. 
We've asked you to prayerfully identify who are the people that you walk with in life on a, on a regular basis, probably weekly, maybe daily. People that you work with or people that you live next door to or your kids are on their, on their same sports team or you, you're on their team, whatever it is. Who, God, who do you want me to be your ambassador to this year? Who do you want me to share the word with? And, and you begin to pray, not only to God, but you begin to pray for that person or for that special family in your life. And then you look for opportunities to care for them, to just show the compassion of Christ for those that are lost, those that are lonely, those that are hurting, those are, who are hopeless without Christ, okay? Prayer, care, and then share. And you share the word of Christ with them. You look for opportunities and you make opportunities to say, hey, can I share with you what rules my heart? Can I share with you the hope that I have? Can I share you with you uh, how God has revealed himself to me and why I follow Jesus? You prayer, care, and share. That's it. And last week I said it's simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's, it's just blocking and tackling kind of stuff. That's our theme. Today I want to talk briefly, before we look at our specific goals as a church, I want to talk briefly about the obstacles that we face as we center our lives on Jesus Christ and, and as we focus on the word of God. Three obstacles that I want us to look at. And I've, some of you heard this from me before, but these are three obstacles, or I call them the ABCs of Collin County. And not just Collin County. You know, someone scolded me this morning. It's not just us. I mean, Denton County, they're as bad as we are. But the ABCs of Collin County are this. Affluence, busyness, and consumerism. Are you with me? ABC, affluence, busyness, and consumerism. Folks, I'm telling you, those are obstacles to the spiritual life. Those are obstacles of centering our lives on Jesus Christ. Those are obstacles to get our lives, to get the word of God in our lives. And they're obstacles for us individually, personally. We're not just talking about the people outside this building that, that are really sucked into the culture. We're talking about our own hearts. I'm talking about me here. I'm talking about you and folks, affluence is just the air we breathe. It's, it's the county that we live in. It's, it's the region that we're in. It's one of the most affluent, wealthy counties, certainly in the country or certainly in the world and in our country. But affluence deceives us. Affluence deceives us, busyness distracts us, and consumerism distorts. Okay? First of all, affluence. Affluence deceives us. How does affluence deceive us? Well, I think it, it, it's pretty simple. It, it, it kind of makes us think that stuff and status and wealth uh, is where it's at. That, hey, if I've got stuff, I don't have needs. And we all know that none of the stuff, none of, no matter how many dollars you have, none of that can sustain your life. None of that can fill the, the void that only God can fill. But affluence says, hey, I've, I've got it together. And it also, as Christians, it also kind of hinders us. It makes us fearful of talking to other people like, hey, they've got it together, man. They, they've got a good job. They've got a great marriage. They've, they've got lots of money, whatever. They don't need Jesus. They do need Jesus. They may look like the perfect Ken and Barbie couple with the perfect kids, but they need Jesus. They have a spiritual need beyond their material uh, assets. And affluence deceives us into thinking uh, that we've kind of got life figured out. 
that we've kind of done it by ourselves, that we're not, in fact, dependent upon God for our very breath and for, for every uh, piece of bread we eat. It deceives us. Last week, we watched a video. We took a mission trip in 2016 to Haiti, and we're going to take another mission trip in 2017. We watch those videos, and we look at those kids, and, and we think, man, that what a hurting place. And gosh, they're, they're so without, and they, they don't have just basic things. And, and we begin to look at the Haitians as disadvantaged. We do, don't we? And in some sense, they are, but, but the Haitians look at us and in, in white America or suburban America and say, wow, they've got the advantage. They don't have needs. Well, what if I were to say to you this morning, based upon God's word, that in, in some ways, the Haitians are the one, ones advantaged and we are the ones disadvantaged, blinded by our affluence. I mean, hey, they need a roof on, over their heads. We're building homes there. They need clean water, okay? They need basic health care. They need education. But in many ways, with all that stuff and more, where we live in Collin County, we are deceived by the stuff. We are, we are deceived by what we have. And the physical and the material overshadows the spiritual. It deceives us. Jesus said this himself. He told a parable in Mark chapter 4. He, he told this parable about uh, the sower and the seed. It's one of Jesus' famous parables. And he, he sowed the seed, and some of it you know, landed on good soil, and some of it was on rocky soil. And there was this one seed that, that landed among thorns. And you remember how Jesus describes what happens to that seed that lands among thorns? This is Mark chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus' words say this, But the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. What were the thorns? Jesus said it was those three things. It was the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires that we all have in, in each of our hearts, the desire for other things that come in and, and choke the word of God. It's not wrong to have money. We don't have to repent because we live in North Texas. But we have to use those things unto the lordship of Jesus Christ, not for our advantage, but for the advantage of the kingdom and for the advantage of those without. But affluence can deceive us. Secondly, busyness distracts us. Busyness distracts us. Anybody here feel busy besides me? Nobody? I mean, it, it, it's just the water we swim in. I mean, I don't know if there's been a time, I don't know if there has been a culture that is so hurried and harried and, and fractured and busy as we are. And, the question, and again, busyness in itself is not wrong. But are we busy about the right things? Because busyness can wreck our priorities, our true good priorities. And busyness can wreck relationships because no relationship works without some quality time. And busyness can fragment us and keep us sending in all different directions. And the question is, are we busy about the right things? I read this, and it's legendary, obviously, but uh, apocryphal. But Satan, it's, it's said, called a worldwide convention of demons about how they would affect Christians and how they would affect God's work 
uh, in this world. And it said, how, how can we do this? We can't keep Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from, from reading their Bibles and knowing truth. We can't even keep them from forming an intimate relationship with their Savior. So let them go to their churches. Let them have their covered dish dinners, but steal their time. This is what I want you to do, said the devil. Distract them from gaining hold on their Savior and maintaining a vital connection through the day. How shall we do this, the demons shouted. Keep them busy in non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend, 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 and borrow, borrow, borrow. Persuade the wives to go to work for long hours and the husbands to work six to seven days each week, 10 to 12 hours a day so they can afford their empty lifestyles. Keep them from spending time with their children. As their families fragment, soon their homes will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still, small voice. Entice them to play the radio or listen to CDs whenever they drive. Keep the TV and the movies and the phones and the tablets and their PCs on constantly in their home. And see to it that every store and every restaurant in the world plays music constantly. This will jam their minds and break that union with Christ. Fill the coffee tables with magazines. Pound their minds with 24-hour news. Invade their driving moments with billboards and advertisements. Flood their mailboxes, their inboxes, and send catalogs and every kind of newsletter and promotional offering free products and services and false hopes. Even in their recreation, let them be excessive. Have them return from their recreation exhausted. Keep them too busy to go out in nature and reflect upon God's creation. Keep them busy, busy, busy. Is that you? Is that us? Busyness can distract us. It can distract us from our true priorities, and it can wreak havoc on our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with others, our family. Friends, neighbors, fellow believers. Yesterday, in a beautiful afternoon, we kind of had this spontaneous, wonderful time out in the front yard with some neighbors. It was three hours. It was a beautiful day, and, and neighbors came over, and the kids were out playing. Yes, playing in the street. My kids were playing in the street as we watched. And there was nothing to do but talk and catch up, talk about Scripture, talk about spiritual things. Because life slowed down for about three hours. And it was refreshing. Busyness distracts us. Thirdly, consumerism distorts. Consumerism distorts. You, you realize that we live in a, a consumer world. And we live in a, in a consumer suburb. We, this is one of the most densely populated retail and sales areas in our country. I mean, it's everywhere. We have so many options, so many choices, so many stores. And how can that kind of consumeristic mentality, how can that not affect our thoughts about God, our thoughts about the spiritual life, our thoughts about what church should be if we constantly have this consumeristic mentality? Here's what happens when you have a consumeristic mentality and you, you begin to, to put that, uh, that template on, a relation, on God. 
what happens in a relationship with God if you're a consumeristic mindset is, guess what? God becomes your servant. God is at your beck and call. You're the consumer and he's the provider. God becomes like a, a cosmic Santa Claus. Give me, God, here's what I want. Here's my wishes. Now give me. Another way to say it uh, is kind of a cosmic vending machine. God, I put in my coins and I make my selection and then you give me what I want. That is a consumeristic driven idea of God and a relationship with God. And folks, we swim in a consumeristic culture. We swim in a materialistic culture and that can't help but subliminally subconsciously get into our heads the way we think about God, the way we think about relationships, the way we think about the spiritual life, and the way we think about church. Many people in our area, and not just this, many people treat their church and their fellowship with their church like they do their bank, like they do their grocery store, and like where they buy a car. Where can I get the best deal? Where's the menu the best? I mean, just Cheesecake Factory goes on and on. They have so many choices. Where are all your choices? I need choices for my kids. I need choices for this. I need choices for me. Serve me. And folks, the church is, we're supposed to serve people. But man, if that's driven by a consumeristic mentality, that's dangerous. It's dangerous. These are dangers. These are obstacles. These are roadblocks, not only for you and I personally, they're also roadblocks for us as a church as we move forward in 2017 corporately. I mean, as a, as a leadership team, as staff and elders and deacons, we have, to, we have to think about this too. Because guess what? Affluence affects the church. I mean, we can, we can try to have all the glitz and glamour. We can have all the lights and, 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 and smoke and mirrors and all that stuff and have the prettiest building in town. I was shocked uh, a couple years after I moved to Dallas when I was going to graduate school, a couple years after I got here, I was shocked when I heard about a church Okay, I hope they don't get this recording, about a church who had approved and done, accomplished a $55 million building plan to add on to their church. And they're not building in South Oak Cliff. They're not building in Africa. They're not raising funds to send missionaries, you know, $55 million towards mission. They're spending $55 million on their facility that is beautiful, amazing. Couldn't believe it. But it wasn't two years after that that I heard about another church in the Dallas area who will go unnamed that had a $130 million building campaign. Building campaign. And I'm just bitter because I'm over here saying, we're just trying to raise $600,000 for our little church. Am I angry? No. It, we have to think about the, how the culture influences the way we think. And there's nothing wrong with having money. There's not. We don't have to repent because we're Americans and we live in North Texas. But as Christians, we have to have a template, not of consumers, but of ambassadors of Christ and servants of Christ. We also have to think about busyness as a church culture. We can just get sucked right into what everybody, I mean, we, we, here you are, our church, now we want to make you busy. You know, here's our Cheesecake Factory uh, list of all the programs and services we offer as a church. So on Monday night, you need to do this. You need to get up early on Thursday morning for this Bible study. 
Okay, you need to go to men's Bible study, you need to go to adult Bible fellowship, you need to serve with CC Cares, and all of a sudden, guess what? You're running around frantic on good things, and the church has just contributed to this culture of busyness. And folks, I want to call us to sacrifice, I want to call us to service at a church, but I don't want us to just be busy for bus- busyness sake. So I want us to do a few things well. I want you to be in a group that works well and relates well and encourages one another and gets in the scriptures. But I also want you to have time to sit with your neighbors for three hours and know your neighbors' names and invite them over to dinner so they don't just you know, see you like the Homer Simpson guy did or the, you know, always just going off to church. You know, There they go, off to church again. Have no idea what they're about, but they're always off going to church, busying themselves with church. Again, busyness is not intrinsically bad. But are we busy on the right things? And consumerism. We can have a consumeristic mentality as a church, as I've already kind of alluded to. I don't think I need to explain. What's in it for me? What's your church got for me? What kind of programs you got for me? Are my kids going to be taken care of? Hey, that's a legitimate question. But you can't think solely, entirely as a consumer when you're talking about God, when you're talking about what he's doing in the world, when you're talking about the local church. There's uh, some antidotes. There's some practices that we can adopt in uh, helping us protect protect ourselves from going off to those extremes of affluence and busyness and consumerism. And they begin with S words, okay? Instead of affluence, busyness, and consumerism, I think what the scriptures would have us counterbalance that with is sacrifice. Instead of get, 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 accumulate, affluence, it's sacrifice. It's giving of ourselves. It's disadvantaging our, ourselves to advantage others. It's giving to God's kingdom work, not only your local church, but missionaries and other people doing ministry partnerships like the Bachelmans, like Young Life, like our folks working with the Navigators. It's sacrificing to advantage others, busyness. The way you counteract busyness is by stillness and slowness. We're never going to be people of the word if we don't slow down enough and be still to read the word, right? We've got to have some moments of, of slowness and stillness to be in the word. And finally, as opposed to consumerism, service. As a church, we, we want to serve you. As a church, we need you to serve the church. As Jesus himself, who said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. If the Son of God came as a servant, Does that not mean that you and I should be servants of the Son of God? If Jesus came to serve us, are we not here to serve him and to serve others? This this is the lifestyle of Jesus. This is what he was about. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give myself a ransom for many, to sacrifice myself for others. And Jesus was that one, busy 
I mean, everywhere he went, crowds were gathering to him. He often, you know, had, had people touching him and reaching out to him. He was a busy guy. He had to get up early in the morning to go be alone with the Father, Mark 1.35. But he, this is also the Savior who stopped and said, who touched me? Who saw a blind beggar and stopped the parade and said, I want to talk with him. Who saw Zacchaeus up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, come and dine with me. Yeah, I got a lot going on. And I know no one wants to hang out with you, but I want to be with you. Why don't we just sit down and have a meal? And in that culture, in Middle Eastern culture, you, you know, you don't go through the drive-thru, wolf it down in 30 minutes, and then say, ciao, text you later. You sit, and you enjoy that time. Jesus was a busy guy. He's busy about right things. He's busy about kingdom things. But he also stopped, and he also slowed down, and he also spent time with his disciples and those in need. To serve will make you busy. <laughs> I mean, these, these things are, you know, we're saying we don't want to be busy, but we want you to serve, you know? Uh, I, I, I've got to have some slowness. I've got to have some stillness. So how do I do that and serve? You're telling me to be still, but you're also telling me to serve. And for everything, a time and a season. Sacrifice, slowness, service. Jesus came and said, I give my life for you. I sacrifice for you. I want time with you. Abide in me. And I came to serve you. May it be so of us. So that we can center our lives on Christ so that we can be people of the book. Father God, thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for where you've placed us in this world, but we pray that we would not be sucked up and swept away, transformed or conformed to the patterns of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God that our lives would be distinct and be different, that we would make the time and take the time to do not the trivial, not the peripheral, but the central, the important. Holy Spirit, convict each heart here in this room. Convict me in my own heart. Where do we need to begin in these things? And Father, may 2017 be a year that uh, we become more centered upon your Son. And your word grabs us as never before. It's in the beautiful name of our King and our servant, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So uh, what we're going to do, <clears throat> uh, you've probably uh, already been looking at this as I was preaching. Shame on you. Um, but I want you to open to the third page there, uh, 17 and 2017. <clears throat> and yeah, I'm going to read these out loud to you and, and give a little bit of a comment about some of them. But these as, as a staff and as elders and deacons, <clears throat> excuse me, these are the specific, uh, hopefully measurable goals that we've come up with over the last couple months that we want to see happen uh, by God's grace, we can't do, we can do nothing apart from Christ. But these are some things we want to see happen. Some of them have already happened. So uh, number one, there is offer an additional men's Bible study. Guess what? Check. Already doing that. We now have uh, two men's Bible studies and two ladies' Bible studies. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, we have a ladies' Bible study on Tuesday nights and a ladies' Bible study on Thursday morning. We have a men's Bible study on Thursday night and a men's Bible study on Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. The really spiritual men come on Friday morning. The, the, uh, the guys that like, you know, just kidding. 
we now have uh, four opportunities to get to read the Word of God in community. Uh, so that's great. Number two, we've also I've already talked about that. We've already got that as well. The churchwide Bible reading plan. Um, number three, we've heard about that too. Promoting each one, reach one strategy. Prayer, care, and share. Imagine uh, if God used that strategy this year, and every family in this section reached out to one family and shared the gospel. What would be great is if they came to know Christ. We can't control that. Uh, what would also be great is if they began to attend CC and grow in their faith. But if every person, if every family in this church would reach one, what a difference that would make. Again, we can't control who comes to faith in Christ, but we can plant the seed. And yes, God, do something here, okay? So that's our uh, year-long strategy. Uh, <clears throat> number four, offer more consistent and ongoing biblical, theological, and leadership training for our teachers and leaders. Uh, <clears throat> again, we want to busy you, right? Just kidding. But we do want to give you the tools to reach your neighbors. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a workshop on Sunday night, hour and a half. Here's how you can learn to share your faith. Here are the words that you can say. We want to do that more. We also have a, 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 a media platform called Right Now Media that we subscribe to as a church that has some training videos and portals that we want to do a better job of getting in the hands of our small group leaders and our teachers. Say, hey, here's a five-minute uh, leadership training video on how to create a more uh, conducive atmosphere in your community group. Things like that to give you resources, to have training on uh, personal financial planning, on marriage enrichment, on how to raise your kids, okay? So number four, uh, that's that. Number five is really important as we continue to put more resources towards our kids and students. We want to hire a junior high minister, okay? So as, as soon as you affirm our budget today or within the next 10 days, we're going to begin looking for a part-time junior high minister. Uh, and that person will be in charge of kind of beginning number six because it goes, number five goes with number six. Oh, thank you so much. It's from my wife, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, both of you. Um, <clears throat> number six, begin a weekly, a weekly evening gathering for our junior high students. Right now, our junior high students just meet on Sunday morning at 9.15 before church, and then they have like two gatherings on Sunday nights per month, okay? We want to have a nightly, a weekly gathering for junior high students every week in addition to the Sunday morning teaching time, okay? So that's five and six kind of go together here. Number seven is also in the works already. Take a summer mission trip to New York with high school students and friends, okay? This is not to you know, to <clears throat> go see the Statue of Liberty or go on Wall Street or whatever else. This is to serve on Beekman Street in the Bronx. And uh, Brent can give you more details, but my understanding as of this morning is we already have about 23 people signed up to go on this mission trip. And it's not just high school kids. Some of their parents are going uh, with them. I think we're in the day now where the old idea of just sending our high school kids away for a week, which kind of a blessing, isn't it, parents? Just kidding. Uh, but, but going intergenerationally, so that young people are, are, are going with, with, with some of our gray-haired people uh, and doing that intergeneration. That was not an insult, but doing mission trips together, okay? So we've already got a great start there on number seven. <clears throat> number eight, really important and something that we pray about almost every time we get together as elders. We want to nominate and ordain one to two additional elders this year, okay? Nominate and ordain. So the immediate question I'm sure that many of you are thinking, okay, how do we make these nominations? I'm glad you asked. Okay, here's how you make the nominations. First of all, you pray. Okay, you pray about this. And second of all, I encourage you to go read 1 Timothy chapter 3, 
and Titus chapter 1, where it gives out the qualifications of, of what an elder is supposed to be like, primarily character, and uh, briefly on what the, the role of an elder is, okay? So 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, and read that, pray through that, <clears throat> and as God brings people to mind, okay, share that with us. That's the very formal nominating process, okay? Just pray about it, read those scriptures, and then come find one of the elders or a staff person or something and say, I- I'd like to nominate uh, someone, okay? And from that point, we will begin uh, kind of the interviewing and vetting process uh, there for number eight. So that's how we really uh, think that's important to, to better shepherd uh, our people, better shepherd our staff and our, and our uh, community. So number eight, please pray with us about that. <clears throat> number nine. Uh, increased participation in community groups. You see there, we've, that's 43% is actually a pretty good percentage uh, in the church world, but we want to increase that to 65%. Currently, right now, you may not know this, we have 11 community groups. Uh, many of them are already full. We need more community group leaders, and we want to get more people in uh, community groups. Number 10, market some of our land for sale, hopefully closing before 2018. You're going to hear specifically about this in just a few minutes, okay? But uh, we have currently a little over 12 acres, and we want to sell a couple acres of that to uh, get some cash to maybe do some expansion that we need here in terms of uh, student facilities and additional adult classroom uh, and other needs like that. So number 10, you'll hear uh, specifically about uh, in just a moment. Uh, number 11, increase exposure of Kids World Preschool to our church family and surrounding communities. Some of you may not even know that we have a preschool here that meets four days a week, 9 o'clock to 2.15, and there's even a, a stay and play after that until 4.15. It is a wonderful program, and I'm going to embarrass Lori Andrews over here and have her stand up. Lori is our director of Kids World. Give it up for Lori. And I also, stay standing, Lori, I also want to acknowledge, if you teach at Kids World or you're an admin at Kids World, would you please stand as well, Alina? Great with child, go ahead and stand up. Miss um, Nish over here, what a gift Miss Nish is to our kids. Uh, incredible teacher, just works so hard on so many things uh, in our Kids World program. It's outstanding. A hundred families every week, and would you say, Lori, I forgot to ask you this before, only about 20, 25% of that are, are members of Centennial Church. Is that about accurate? So uh, it's a great opportunity in this area uh, to serve our community. And uh, man, I hit their inbox all the time, come to church. You know, just kidding. Uh, but it's a great inroads into our community. And it's just a wonderful job. Um, so we want you to know more about that. We want to show some videos to you about that. You need to come by and tour during the week when this place is transformed in many ways. Um, so we also want you to share that gift uh, with your friends, with your neighbors who might be looking for a preschool. Share that on your Facebook page. Share that on your neighborhood page. It's a wonderful ministry under the umbrella of, of Centennial Church. So that's number 11. Number 12 has a asterisk next to it, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But we need to make some aesthetic and technical improvements in our sanctuary. I mean, we're talking about smoke and mirrors and lights here and uh, disco balls. Just kidding. That's not what we're going for. And I've told you, our, we're, we're not trying to build a mega church here, all right? Uh, we, we, we don't want to become uh, just a skyscraper up, you know, to the skies. But we do want to grow, and we do feel like uh, the old house needs some updates, okay? 
Uh, we've done some updates. You've noticed, I think it was 2015, we did some lighting and, and aesthetic updates in here and a new stage that was a little taller so people could see me, which is really helpful. Um, but we, there's some other things that we need to do in here. Now, notice that, that asterisk, okay? That is a summer uh, budget challenge. So here's, here's, we'll talk more about the budget in a second. But those approximately, so here's the deal. What we would like to do totally in here would probably cost us sixty to $70,000. Um, we would like to do about half of that this summer, about $30,000. So here's the budget challenge. The budget challenge is those things are not included in the proposed bu budget that we're getting ready to explain to you. But here's the challenge. The challenge is give early and give regularly. And if we go into the summer months, $10,000, $15,000, better than budget, above budget, rather than behind budget, we will spend that twenty dollars to $30,000 on renovating this place, okay? Changing, getting rid of the curtains, getting some new paint, perhaps replacing the carpet, okay? Whatever we can get done for about $30,000, all right? But just helping this place. <clears throat> on top of that, <clears throat> we have another vision aesthetically uh, out in the front. When you walk in our glass doors, we would love on that concrete entryway to, at s to someday have an arbor over that complete uh, concrete area with outdoor seating where we could uh, have small groups where our kids can sit, where moms at preschool can sit out there and enjoy a cup of coffee and it would be kind of a feature that would, uh, we think, beautify our place and, and, and also be an attraction to those that drive by on Coy. That's not in the budget as well. That's, that's big money, okay? But what we're asking is, Let's get this budget taken care of, and if in the summer we're running ahead, we'll do some improvements in here, okay? Deal? Excellent. Uh, again, it's not the highest priority, but we think it, it needs to happen. Things are just, you know, uh, it's a little 1991 in here, okay? So um, <clears throat> number 13 goes kind of along with that. Uh, we want to better utilize video. And we have a new video camera. We actually have two new video cameras, thanks to Luke Waddell, who, is, did Luke sneak in here? Luke, he snuck in here from the hospital. We need to pray for Luke's, Luke and Crystal's daughter went to the hospital last night. Um, uh, a couple months ago, if you looked back in our media booth back there, you would have seen this really nice 1988 Hi8 camera that your dad had. Uh, I mean, top of the line in 1985. But not so in 2017. We've got two nice new HD video cameras, thanks to Luke and some uh, help there. And we want to use those. We need a team to come around this to highlight stories, something special that CC Cares does or a, a story, a testimony of what God's doing in your community group, okay? We need to highlight those things. So if you want to be a part of our media team, our video team, uh, come let me know. <clears throat> Number 14, add one new mission par uh, partnership, and I got a truck here. Uh, add one new mission partnership. Our deacon of missions is Jim Hessen. He's, he's looking and trying to identify another mission uh, partner, okay? That will be him and his team. They'll make that call for what that new partnership is in 2017. Here's some good news, okay? Uh, here's some progress. In 2013, we had uh, six missions partnerships. 2013, we had six mission partnerships that we regularly supported. Uh, today, we have 10 missions partnerships, okay? So we've made some progress. In 2017, that'll be 11, 
okay? So that's number 14. Uh, number 15, execute 9 to 10 service projects through CC Cares. This has been a huge boost, I think, and, and a huge need and a great outreach to our community. Thank you, Adzel and his team. But we want to continue that in this next year. Number 16, partner with Step Seminary for another house build in Haiti. We don't have the dates on this yet, but it will probably be summer or November fallish. But we want to send another team uh, back to Haiti. And number 17 leads us right into our next topic. Uh, that is, we want to challenge each of you. All of our members and, and you, if this is your church home, you're not yet a member, we want to challenge you to give, to commit, and to sacrifice, and to give regularly towards our budget. Um, we, we don't have the 80-20 problem here in this church, thankfully, uh, but we do have uh, 20 to 30% of our regular attenders who give basically nothing uh, throughout the course of the year. And to do what we want to do, folks, we need an all play here. We need everybody to contribute at least something, okay? Uh, not just for the paint and the sanctuary, but because that's what God calls each of us to do, okay? So we want to commit for 100% participation towards our, our mission and our ministries in 2017. 